I want to give my, my, is this a balloon? I like it. I want to give my friend, uh, Pastor Jake, in as much time as I can. He's been an instrumental friend in my life. Do you have those in the church? Well, pastors need those too, probably more than most. And I'm going to toss this to you. That was a good catch. Um, we need those too. And uh, I have found you to be a man of integrity. Integrity matters to us a lot. Maybe more than most everything else. Integrity, a man of God who when God speaks, you'll do it. Who when God speaks something to me through you, you'll say it. You know, it's funny. Um, remember that World Cup soccer game where we beat Mexico in the snow? We destroyed their souls with the cold. Thank you, Jesus. We actually went to that game. And that was one of the first times that we really hung out with each other. And I remember we were talking with another pastor in Edmonton. And I was like, I could feel that the, when the church opened, when we opened this building, less than a calendar year, and we're, we're running out of space. Thank you, God, slash poor planning. No, it was, it was the perfect building for us. But I remember thinking, like, we have to be able to, like, assimilate people and get people into small groups and serving and if we grow too fast, you know, maybe we won't be able to do that. And so I was kind of talking it down because I'm a little paranoid. And you said to me, stop talking that way. It's going to happen. So just get ready for it. And then it did happen. And so it was just that spirit of faith in you. And I want you to welcome my friend, Pastor Jake and Mullen to the stage. Pastor Becca, Jude, and Matthew. But thank you, Pastor Jake. And we want to, God did something, God did something today. Uh, this morning, you woke up at 12, what time are you going to tell the story? 1226? And he changed, God changed his sermon. And he was up till 4 a.m. preparing this word for you. I'm just glad it wasn't me. I slept great. So come on, and welcome Pastor Jake to the stage. Good morning, church family. Thank you so much, Pastor Corey. Uh, it is so good to be with you. I, I want my wife. I know she doesn't want to, but would you just welcome my wife back in my boys, Jude and Matthew. Stand up. Yeah, stand up. Stand up. Say hi to everybody. So proud of my kids. And um, we also have uh, two children at home that are a little bit older that we can't get them out of the house of God at home. They got stuff to do in our church at home and so they're not here with us today but we're glad to bring our our younger two with us and we're so glad to be here and how many are thankful for your pastors you know there's a scripture that says to honor those that that serve among you and i i love stephen furtick and i love all the ministries that go around in the world but don't get it mixed up between those who got a good word and those who look you in the eyes and serve among you and I'm so thankful for them and just to give you just just a short short little piece of, of thought from how we feel is that last year we went, went through a really difficult year I'm not gonna get through all the all the stuff but we went through some betrayals and some difficulties and do you know who was there for us in the middle of our trouble it was pastor Corey and Aaron Cope who loved us, were generous with us, who prayed for us, who just spent time with us. And we are just over the top thankful. And, uh, and I think in honor of God and in honor of what he's done in these last just few years here, I, I, I think we shouldn't just offer up to Jesus a patty cake this morning or a golf clap or some nice little, you know, wow, that was nice. But God's done some tremendous things here. 
And I think we should just take a moment and honor the Lord and just give God a praise offering today that He's so worthy of. Give Him everything you got. Give Him your best praise today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're about to do. And I thank you for this word this morning. Let it bring life, health, healing, and strength. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, I, I want to tell you about this message. Uh, would you stay standing for one minute? There you go, up and down. Because I'm going to read this smallest scripture. I, w- I was going through trying to figure out what God was saying. And I, ha- I prepared a message. And it just wasn't sitting right with me. It just wasn't sitting there in my spirit. I couldn't figure out. I was just leaving it to the Lord. I woke up at 1236. And this is what the Lord said to me at 1236. Skip the sixth. That's why there's a balloon that says seven here. And I'm going to get to it. Skip the sixth. God wants to move you ahead. God's got more for you. God wants to put his hand of blessing and favor on you. And, and, and the reality is, is that in a sense, you're six, in a sense, you're seven, which I'll get to in a minute, but you're almost 40 as well, because Richard and Beth started that beautiful church in Didsbury, and we want to honor them today. And so who knows how old you are? Who knows how old you are? But. You know, it's kind of like, you know, you take your kids to Chuck E. Cheese. If you can imagine, you take your kids to Chuck E. Cheese. It's your sixth birthday. And out comes the candle on the Chuck E. Cheese cake, and it says seven. And you're like, Dad, I'm not seven. I'm only six. No, you're going to be a big boy now. You're seven. And, and so God's got some great things for you. And I want to read this very simple, very short, interesting portion of Scripture. If you can put it on the screen for me. It, it's... Uh, In Ezekiel chapter 43, verse 12, this is the law of the temple. The whole area surrounding the mountaintop is most holy. Behold, this is the law of the temple. These are the measurements of the altar and cubits. The cubit is one cubit and a handbreadth. The base one cubit high one cubit wide with a rim all around its edge of one span. This is the height of the altar. Thank you for your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, you may be seated this morning. Skip the sixth. Would you turn to someone around you and just say, skip the sixth. Six in, in the Bible is, is the number of man. It's what you can do on your own. It's your mind, it's your ability, it's your skill. It's it's what you could do. Seven is the number of perfection. It's God's number. And and it's not that God doesn't use the six. He He just adds his seven to what you can bring to the table. In the Old Testament, there's uh, the Feast of Weeks. The Feast of Weeks is seven weeks of seven days. It starts with the beginning of planting the seed, 
And it ends with a huge harvest and a party and thanksgiving. In the New Testament, that same Feast of Weeks is what we call Pentecost. Seven times seven plus one day or plus one year is the year of Jubilee. And so you have these thoughts of what God can do. You can think about Acts chapter 2 and the Holy Spirit falling and Pentecost coming and the church being birthed because of the Holy Spirit. The year of Jubilee where land was returned and debt was removed and it was a time of new beginnings and new blessing. And we get to this scripture that I read that I know is a little bit hard to understand. I can't take the time to unpack it all, but Ezekiel 43, the cubit is one cubit and a handbreadth. God says, in my house, it's a handbreadth and a cubit. Well, what is a cubit? Well, cubit in those days was the common way to build. In those days, they didn't have tape measures. They didn't have rulers. They didn't have things that could create. So they used the cubit. And cubitus is the word from the elbow. So from the elbow to the top of your finger is, is the cubit. And so when they built things, they built it by cubit. And we find in the Bible that God spoke to Noah and said, build an ark with this many cubits. And so he built it with his hands, literally with his cubitus, he built the ark. Now, if you take your hand, take your hand right now and put your elbow like this, you're going to find, if you, now your, your, your hand breadth is actually your four fingers. You take your four fingers and put it on your arm like this and then move it up and you'll go one, two, three, four, five, six. It works perfect. God actually made you the number that he created. I see, we are the number six. Man is six. But God says, you created the ark with the cubit. You created your house with the cubit. You created all these things with your cubit. But in my house, my house needs a seventh hand. My house needs the cubit plus one. And so when they built the house and all the things in the house of God, they built it with the hand, but then they added, they added the hand of God on everything that was happening. And so your skill, your ability, your awesome graphic team, your worship team, your sound system, this building, it's awesome. It's six. But I'm just speaking to Venue Church today that you're walking through the six and it's time to skip six and go to seven. Where God's hand is on everything that your hand touches. Six hand breaths make one cubit. And God says, you make your house with six, but I make my house with seven. So as good as you can play that bass guitar, <laughs> it's nothing without the presence of God. Can I get an amen in the house of God? Listen, God refuses to do anything on his own. He, he always used these weak what seemed like insignificant people like Gideon, 
like David who made major failures and mistakes, like Peter who denied Christ, but then in Acts chapter 2 stepped out and preached the gospel, even his own son, he said, I got to use the son of God, but he's going to be the son of man. So even on the cross, he used the six. And so, yes, you are to be used by God. Yes, your talents. Yes, your abilities. Yes, you have purpose. Yes, you have the call of God on your life. But don't do it in the natural. Don't do it in the things that you can just do it on your own. God says, I want to put my anointing on you. I want to put my blessing on you. I want to put my hand upon your hand. Your six, but his seventh handbreadth on your life. I was just thinking in the middle of the night about Venue Church, and, and, and I was thinking about Corey Cope, and I was my good friend, and I was thinking, you might sometimes just feel like you're a bit odd. You do things a little different. There's a different personality. And in the middle of the night, the Lord spoke to me a word for you. It's not odd, it's God. Because he takes your personality, he takes what God's placed in your hands, he take, takes the things that God has called you to do, and he says, I, I, I don't want it just to be a six. I'm putting my hand upon what you might think is odd or what you might think is the step of faith and you're stepping out and, you're, and you're, you're expanding and you're growing and you're taking a move and you're going, well, I, don't, I thought we were going this way. Just like today, I came in and I said, would you put a balloon and put seven in? Everybody's wondering, what does this pastor not realize it's the sixth birthday? I can see a total idiot. Like, look at the screen and look at the balloon. It doesn't make any sense. And yet it makes total sense when you're leaning into the presence of God and leaning into the house of God that's just a little bit different. I don't know about you, but I don't want to go to a church where everything is perfect and everything is sounds even and so just amazing and everything and everything is done perfectly, but doesn't have the sense of the presence of God. I want to live in seven, not six. And I'll be happy to live with a whole bunch of imperfect, messed up people that don't have it all together. That are real about life and real about what's going on in their life and repent to their sins and forgive one another. And, and they, they just work and love one another and they serve Jesus together in their imperfect six. But those same imperfect people say, God, would you take my imperfect six and would you put your hand on my life? I want to talk to you. I want to give you seven things about the hand. Number one, hands are a symbol of creativity. What your mind can conceive, your hands make reality. So whether it's in writing, lifting something, fixing something, playing the piano, the surgery of, uh, of a steady hand, building a skyscraper, building a rocket ship, putting a man on the moon, arms symbolize strength, but hands symbolize creativity. One of the most amazing, astonishing 
uh, works of cinema happened in 1972 where Ed Catmull, who is the CEO of Pixar, made the first moving digital hand. And if you can imagine, in 1972, it was just a hand that they could move like this and it could spin around and it could, it could move and they could move it. It's all it was, it took Ed, Mill, Ed Catmill two years to create a black and white hand that he could move. Because with 350 polygons and 350 triangles, if you can create a hand, because your hand is the, one of the most complicated parts of your body, if you can create a hand, you can create anything. And they figured if they could create a hand, a digital hand, they could create Toy Story. Because your hand is a symbol of creativity. Secondly, your hand biblically is a symbol of blessing. The father would bring the son and he would bless him. It was called the son of my right hand. And, and your hands are never to be hands of harming. They're always to be hands of blessing. When you reach out your hand, when you touch someone, there's to be hands of blessing. And my favorite story about, about blessing in the Bible is the story of Jacob and his grandsons. And he takes Ephraim and Manasseh, and the Bible says that he crossed his hands, which is such a picture of the cross and what Jesus did for us, that the blessing that was on Christ, when Jesus was on the cross, God crossed his hands and put the blessing that was on Jesus, the one and only begotten Son of God, he put that blessing on you and me. <laughs> hands are for blessing. Well, the hands are for blessing of the priests as well. The fathers, the priests. God says to Aaron, the priest, stretch out your hand to the people. And then they went to the key of E and he started singing, the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you. And as my hand of blessing is just being reached out to you. The hand of the minister is the hand of blessing towards you. Don't ever see your pastor, even though he corrects you at times, don't see him as just a corrective hand. See him even in the moments of correction as a hand of blessing into your life and onto your family. Of course, the blessings of Christ is as the hand of blessing was something that Jesus did as he would say, let the children come to me and he would hold the children, the Bible says, and he blessed them. The hand of healing as he would touch the leper and touch the sickness and touch the blind man, spit into the dirt and put it into somebody's eye and see healing happen. Of course, there was the Apostle's hand, or what I would call the, the hand of impartation. James chapter 5, verse 14, any who are sick among you, call the elders, lay hands on you, and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. 1 Timothy 4, 14, do not neglect the gift given to you by the laying on of hands. Can I just tell you who I am and what I am? I'm just a result of a whole bunch of great godly men laying hands on me. And today the gifts that are coming through me aren't really my gifts. I'm not really very good. I'm a six that's had some sevens lay their hands on me and 
all that's coming through me, sometimes we can get proud. What do you need to look back and go, who's laid their hands on me? Because that's what's coming through my life. Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 9, Moses laid his hands on Joshua. For Joshua the son of Nun was filled with the spirit of wisdom, for Moses laid his hands on him. Acts chapter 8, verse 17, the apostles laid their hands on them to receive the Holy Spirit. The hand of impartation. As someone even comes and prays for you and lays their hands on you, there's an impartation that comes upon you. You know, I remember when I was 17 years old, a man came to our church. His name was Tommy Walker. And I'd never written a song in my life. This guy came and he just put his arm around me. He said these words, you should write songs. And I felt an impartation. And out of that impartation, I went and wrote a song. It was called, I Stand in Awe. It ended up being the number four song in the world sung in churches from someone who had never wrote a song. You say, how could you write that song? And I'd say, I didn't. That song got written through me. There was an impartation. Then there's the hand of deliverance. Of course, the first time that the hand of the Lord is used is in Exodus chapter 9. Let my people go so they may serve me, Moses said. If you don't, behold, the hand of the Lord will come upon your cattle, your horses. You find in 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 5, the Philistines capture the ark or the presence of God and they put it in the same room as the god Dagon. And the first night, Dagon falls over and they take Dagon and they lift him up because the presence of the Lord is more powerful than any other God. They pick Dagon up. They put Dagon back up. And guess what happens the second night? Dagon falls over. And what's missing? His head and his hands. Because hands, hands are so powerful. The Lord's hand is heavy on his people. The hand of the Lord is upon me, the prayer of Jabez. First Chronicles chapter four, verse nine. Oh, that the Lord would bless me. I pray this prayer over Venue Church today. Enlarge your territory and that your hand would be with me. Would you just take a moment, would you just lift up your hand and say, Lord, let your hand be with me. Enlarge our territory. Oh, that you would bless me. If the worship team would, would come up, I want to just tell you one more story about the hand of God being upon me. Of course, seven times in Ezekiel, the hand represents supernatural strength. But I want to end with the story of Elijah. And Elijah is desperate. Like we're desperate in our nation right now for rain. It's been a long time. Everything's dried out. Everything's tired. There's nothing to eat. There's no water. And Elijah gets desperate with God like I believe the church needs to get desperate with God today. And the Bible says that, that Elijah got down on his knees and he put his head between his knees and he began to pray. And we don't know that the time frame in between, but... Somewhere along the way, he says to his servant, hey, go see if there's any rain. And you've got to understand, there's not a cloud in the sky and there hasn't been for years. 
And he says, go see if there would be any rain. And so you can just imagine the servant goes out, looks as far as he can on the top of the mountain. I can't see anything. He comes back. Elijah, I don't see anything. Maybe there's a little period of time in there. I don't know. But all of a sudden, Elijah says, go the second time. He goes out and he sees. And there might be people in this room. You've been real disappointed. There's been sorrow in your life. There's been grief in your life. There's been a God. Are you ever going to rain on me? Are you ever going to? To do what you promised in my life. God, are you going to ever do anything in this nation? I don't know about you, but there's sometimes I just feel like giving up. Like, like God, God, I've been on my knees for so long and I'm tired and weary. God says, send the servant out again. So he goes for the third time. No, nothing here. Nothing here, Elijah. Go the fourth time. Nothing there. Go the fifth time. Nothing there. Go the sixth time. Elijah, it's been six. You've been praying for six. You've been living in your own strength for six. You're tired. You're worn out. There's no water. And Elijah says, and I can just imagine the guts that it took to say it the seventh time because he had sent him out six other times. But he's got the guts to say, I don't want the six in my life. I want the seven in my life. He says, go one more time. And he walks out. And the Bible says this. He saw a cloud the size of a man's hand. Oh, it was just a little itty bitty thing. And he says, hey, get the chariot. Get the chariot. Because if you don't get moving down this mountain, there's going to be a mudslide. We're going to die if we don't get moving out of this. And I'm just prophesying over you, Corey Cope. I'm prophesying over you, Venue Church. Get ready as you ask for the seven, not the six. Get ready for God to pour his blessing out in every possible way over your life, over your family, over your pastors, over your businesses, over everything that you do. If you would just say to God today, I'm skipping six. I want the seven. Would you stand with me in the house of God today? I want to skip myself. I want to skip lunch sometimes. I want to skip food and I want to pray. I want to get down on my knees for the seventh time. I'm going to push just a little bit more. I, I'm going to be all that God has called me to be. I, I, I don't want just what I can bring to the table, even though God's going to use me in the process. But I want the one cubit of all that God would call me to be. But I don't want to do it on my own. I want the presence of God. I want the power of God. I want the hand of God on my life. And if that's what you want today, would you just lift up both hands to God today and just surrender to Him today? Would you pray this prayer after me today? Would you say, Lord Jesus, today I come with my six. I come with my failures, 
God, you know who I am. You know my mess. You know my insecurities. You know the places that I fail. And yet you still use my cubit for your glory. But God, with my hands up today, I don't want just the six. I'm skipping six for the seven that you have for me. Thank you for your hand of blessing. Thank you for your hand of anointing. Thank you for your hand of impartation. Thank you for your hand of healing. Thank you for your hand of strength. Thank you for all that you have for me. Thank you for all that you have for this church. I receive it now in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Hey.